Good morning. We are so glad that you could be at Central Church this morning. So today we're up to uh, Romans chapter 5. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. If you're, cir- if you're a circler, circle the word peace. We can have peace with God through our Lord. Peace, wonderful peace. That's what our world desperately needs. It's the peace of God, not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. No, deep, lasting, blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. You can have peace with God today. If you don't have the peace of God, you can have it today. It's freely offered. Peace, wonderful peace, he goes on to say. Through him we have also, so not only do we have peace, we also have obtained an access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. We can have peace, we can have faith, we can have have grace, we can rejoice in the hope. Are you kidding me? We get all these things because we're following after Jesus. The wonderful, wonderful life of following after Jesus. We get all of these things. And then Paul says, verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Not only that, we can rejoice in our sufferings. A lot of times we like to crumble in our sufferings. We like to complain in our sufferings. We like to boo-hoo in our sufferings. Paul is saying, no, no, no. You can rejoice in your sufferings. Listen, all of us are going to have sufferings at some point in our life. No one skates through life with no sufferings. No one. All of us. If you live long enough, you're going to deal with suffering. And, and it may be that you have a daily reminder of your suffering. Maybe it's a heartache. Maybe it's a deep, deep loss. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's dealing with some emotional issues or depression or, or maybe it's, it's dealing with a wandering child. All of us, you may have a daily, daily, daily reminder of your sufferings. And you know, you know my story. I get, I get a daily reminder, you know. I get migraines and, and it's a daily reminder and saying, saying, you know, Rob, you need Jesus. You need Jesus to make it through this day. And so this is how I read these verses. You, may, you will read them differently this way. But we rejoice in migraines, knowing that migraines produce endurance. In other words, Rob, you're going to make it. And endurance produces character. In other words, Rob, you're going to be stronger. And endurance produces hope. Rob, those, 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 those migraines don't have a hold on you. Or, or, they don't have a hold on you. They don't, they don't have a grip on you. Are you kidding me? And hope does not put us to shame. Migraines will not win. Migraines will not win because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Woo! See, that's good victory. No matter what you're going through, you can have victory. That doesn't mean that God eliminates it. I still get migraines. It doesn't mean that God, but God gives you the strength and the hope and the endurance to, to, to make it through. That's the point. You're not alone. That's the point. You can make it. Victory is coming. That's the point. See what I mean? This is an easy peasy sermon. I could preach this with one hand tied behind my back. And you'd leave here all pumped up. Woo-hoo! I can make it through my sufferings. Woo-hoo! Those life's biggest challenges. I got Jesus beside me. Woo-hoo! Victory's coming. We'd all leave all excited. But you already know all that stuff. 
and, and, and you know, you don't need an easy people. We need to dig in deep. We got, we got some red meat in chapter 5, red theological meat, and that's what we've got to get to. I really want to get to verses 12 through 21. That's where we're going to spend the most of our time. But in order to get to 12 to 21, we've got to get, read through 6 through 11. And so again, if you're a circler, you might run a circle. This is verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Circle while we were still weak. Verse 8. But God shows his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for a circle while we were still sinners. Verse 10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by by the death of his son, circle while we were enemies. Paul is saying that's, that's who we were before Christ. We were weak, we were sinners, we are God's enemies. He's painting a picture of brokenness, a broken relationship. We are weak, sinners, enemies. Paul understands that when we are weak, sinning enemies, there is, that produces an alienation, an isolation, a loneliness that comes uh, uh, is the result of that broken relationship. That there is something missing in each one of our hearts and lives before Christ. And you know that's true. People fill that void, try to fill that void with so many things. Oh, if I just make enough money, I'll be happy. If I, if I have, have, have fame and people recognize me, I'll be happy. If I'm success, successful, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'll be happy. They turn to drugs or alcohol, pornography. If I can just escape my reality, I'll be happy. They, they, they go to, to extreme uh, uh, things. If I can just have this euphoric exam, uh, happening, I'll be happy. But you all know, you all know, none of those things last. None of those things bring, bring the peace of God that he's just talked about. None of those things fill the void that's, that's missing in our life. Paul is talking about this broken relationship that exists between us and God. It shouldn't surprise us really, the first four chapters of the, or the first four stories in the Bible all talk about this broken relationship. Remember God placed Adam and Eve in the garden? This lush environment, perfect, perfect, perfect. Be fruitful and multiply, have fun kids, enjoy! You can, you can have everything in this garden except that one tree. You can have the hundreds and hundreds of other trees, just don't have that one, one, one tree. That's it, that's it. And the first time God turns his back, or so they thought, the first time God turns his back, what did they do? That tree, the, the one tree that they couldn't have became the one tree they had to have. And that old serpent became the first theologian because he said, did God, did God really say, what did God mean? Would you really die? And you know the story, Adam ate, so did Eve, and man's innocence, man's obedience went by the wayside. And we've been dealing with it ever since. The second story, the brother bashes in the head of the other brother, broken relationships. The third story, Noah and the flood, the, God's judgment upon a disobedient people, and yet God's grace to Noah. And the fourth story is the story of Babel. How, how people were trying to, the, the Bible says in, a, in a Genesis 11, 4, we were trying to make a name for ourselves. Not a name for God Almighty, not a name for, to, for God's purposes. We're trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to build a society void of God. Sound familiar? It leads to destruction. It leads to, to hostility. It leads to disobedience. All those things happen. Paul knew these stories better than we do. He knew where all this leads better than we knew. He knew that 
alienation and suspicion caused by the guilt and the separation that we have with God Almighty leads us to a dark and lonely place. Pastor, can you give me an example of that? I could give you seven billion examples of that. Isn't that that's how many people are in the world? Every one of us, every one of us has been there. The problem, we've got a problem. That's the false point. We've got a problem. It's a big, big problem. And now in chapter five, he's getting down to the nitty gritty. He's kind of danced around it these first four chapters, but now he's getting to the nitty gritty. He's saying, we're in the same boat. The boat is sinking. Last week, he talked about Abraham. This week, he you know, backs up even farther, all the way to Adam. Now, I apologize. If your name is Adam, let me, before I get to the rest of this sermon, for the next 15 minutes, I'm gonna be saying your name a lot, and I apologize. If, if Gary and Prudy Adam were sitting right there, I'd apologize to them because I'm going to be saying Adam a lot. So if you're Adam, Adam Sandler, if you're watching, this is... Because in these next, from 12 to 21, he, Paul places the, the difference between Adam and Christ. He says that this, therefore, verse 12, page 24, just as sin came, circle sin came, into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread circle death spread to all men because all sin for sin was in the world before the law was given but sin was not counted where there is no law yet death reigned circle death reigned from Adam to Moses and even over those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam sin came death spread death reigned that's what Adam brought sin and death what we're going to see where we're going to head in this is Adam was given the opportunity in the garden to obey God, and he didn't. Jesus was given the opportunity to obey God, and he did. In fact, he continually did. Yes, yes, yes to God, all the way to the cross. The difference between Adam and Christ. And what, what, what Adam brought us, sin, was the, was the product Sin was the problem, death is the outcome. And Paul here is not talking about sins, plural, the sins we do, lying, cheating, stealing, breaking the Ten Commandments. He's not talking about sins, he's talking about sin, original sin, sometimes referred to as carnality, sometimes referred to as, here it goes, the old Adam. Paul is, is talking about that original, carnal, old Adam, that Adam that is deep within us, born in us. Seven billion examples, every one of us. There's a war in our mind. Uh, we can't shake it, we can't uh, work our, it off, we can't buy it off, we can't earn it off, we can't talk it off, we can't, we can't lose it simply that way. It's original, it's universal, it's undeniable. Sin is everywhere, the effects of Adam are everywhere. Will Williman is a, uh, was, he's retired now, a Methodist bishop in North Carolina. Uh, he was also the, the chaplain of Duke University. And he was talking with a physician at the Duke Medical Center one day. And the, and the doctor said to him, he said, we, we figured that over half the rooms in our medical center are occupied by patients who are sick because of bad lifestyle choices. Then the, then the doctor said this, say preacher, why do we choose early death over a longer life? And Dr. Williman replied this way. He said, well, you see, it goes back even farther than the invention of cigarettes and whiskey and potato chips. 
back to our forebearer, Adam, whose DNA we've never been able to flush out of our system. And how right he is, it's, it's the terrible two-year-old who's holding a cookie in his hand. It's in his hand. And you go up to him and you say, did you take that cookie out of the cookie jar? The cookie is in his hand. And he says, no, no, no. The cookie's in your hand, buster. I try, sometimes when I'm describing this to people, I say that our boys got their self-centeredness and their, and their, and their defiance from Carla's side of the family. But the reality is we both gave it to him. And it goes from the terrible twos to the terrible threes to the terrible teens to the terrible twenties and thirties to the forgetful forties to the, to the uh, me first fifties to the self-centered sixties to the selfish seventies to the egomaniac eighties to the, I don't know what happens in the nineties, nasty, nagging, negative nineties. You can't grow out of Adam. You, you, you don't just get older and, and lose Adam. It's there, it's there in all of us. It's the deceit in Washington. It's the corruption in corporate America and the greed. It's the violence in our cities. It's Adam, it's Adam, it's Adam. It's the, it's the perfect couple sitting in a divorce court. It's the, it's the, the young lady taken into a sex slave industry in the Far East. It's the starving child in West Africa. It's Adam, it's Adam. The effects of Adam are everywhere. And Paul is, is, is saying, we can't shake it. Popular TV preacher will say, you know, you're good. You need to wake up every morning and, and look in the mirror and say, you're good, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Paul would disagree. He would vehemently disagree. A little later in Romans, we're, I'm jumping ahead a couple of weeks. We're going to get to Romans 7, I don't know when, uh, down the road, one, one Sunday in July. This is what he writes, though. I'm reading this, this out of the New Living Translation, not out of the English Standard Version. In the New Living Translation, this is what Paul writes in chapter 7, verse 23 and 24. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power that makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Adam, Adam, Adam. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. That's what he's describing. It's old Adam. It's a problem. It's a universal problem. What are we going to do with Adam? Some people, some people embrace it. Hey, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. There is no God. There is no tomorrow. I can do what I want to do. Well, the truth of the matter is the Bible says there is a tomorrow. And there is an eternity. Some people just excuse it. Oh, that's just George. That's just the way George is. That's just what George does. No, no, that's not just George. That's Adam. Some people are overwhelmed by it. I don't know what to do. I've tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, it's, just, it's just it. Church folks, church folks too often just try to hide it. Oh, if people knew how I really thought. If people knew what I really did when I'm by myself or what I really did when no one's around, what I really did, they would drop me like a hot potato. What are we going to do with Adam. Paul describes this war, this battle that's taking place. You know who I think best understands what I'm talking about? 
I mean in here, the church crowd. You know who best understands this war within this battle? It's not the, it's not the perfect Sunday school attendance-ers. And we are going to have Sunday school one day, starting in September. September 11th, Ron, we're going to have Sunday school back. Praise the Lord. It's not, the, it's, not the, it's not the sweet old saintly lady who's never had a sip of the fermented grape. That's not who gets it. Now, the ones who really get this, it's, the, it's the, the Celebrate Recovery crowd. It's the Alcoholic Anonymous crowd. It's the ones who've battled addiction and who've lost the battle more times than they've won the battle and who've struggled and struggled and struggled and who... And who who don't always know how to get out of the struggle. The very first step in Alcoholics Anonymous says we admit that we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. That's us. That's Adam. Unmanageable us. It's admitting that we, we, we got a problem here and we can't will it out. We can't, we can't wish it out. Every alcoholic I've known Every alcoholic whose who's, uh, relationships have been destroyed, who's lost a job because of, of alcohol, who are sitting in a jail because of a DUI, every one of those folks, they've all wanted to quit. They don't want to be there. You kidding me? They can't, you, they, you can't wish it out. You can't, you can't will it out. You can't, you can't, they understand Adam, unmanageable us. Adam is deep within us. What are we going to do about Adam? This is a bad illustration. So don't take it too far. But we are, we are like a computer that has been infected with a virus. Some malware. Not from some Russian operative, but some malware has into our system. And you can't, you can't just... Uh, uh, you know, take it to some little repair shop. No, it, it's, it, it, it isn't just, you can't just pay a ransom like the meat company. No, no, no. We need a new operating system. We need a total reboot. We need a new, a new me. We need a new you inside of you. That's, that's the problem. What are we going to do with Adam? All right. Whew. This has been 20 minutes and 15 minutes of bad news. Let's get to the good news. Verse 17. Paul gives us the answer. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the, the abundance of grace, circle abundance of grace, and the free gift of righteousness, circle the free gift of righteousness, reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. For as one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now that the law came to increase in the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that, that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. See, Paul's theology in a nutshell is that Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, God decisively, once and for all, took care of that, that sinful death grip, death-producing, death-capturing, death-hold on us. In Jesus Christ, there is hope. That's the point that Paul is making. That, that through Jesus, 
we can have life. Through him, we can be victorious. Listen, the, the mess that Adam got us in, Jesus can get us out of. Jesus, where, where Adam heard that old serpent come and say, say, come on, eat, eat from the fruit. Did God really say? And he disobeyed. Jesus, when the old serpent came to him, remember, offering power and political clout and no sufferings. Remember the temptations of Jesus? When the old serpent came to him, Jesus said yes to God and no to that. Yes, 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 all the way to the cross. Philippians 2 says, and being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He said yes, yes, continual yes. The bad news that Paul is presenting in Romans 5, Adam is who we are. The good news, Christ's likeness, is who we can become. That we don't have to be stuck in that same old pattern over and over and over again, but that we can allow the transformative work of Jesus Christ into our life. And those things that we continually battle, we can be victorious over through the power of Jesus Christ. Not through our will, not through just our wishing, our wanting, our, our hoping. No, through the power and the transformative power of Jesus Christ. It's saying, like Jesus, it's saying yes, 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 obediently, yes, yes, yes to God Almighty. It's not, not giving in to that, 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 that Adam that, that wants to destroy us. It's accepting and receiving the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness. It's what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. For the old has departed and behold, the new has come. We're talking about the difference between Adam-likeness and Christ-likeness. Adam-likeness is all about me and myself and I. Christ-likeness is all about others. Adam-likeness is looking out for number one. Christ-likeness looks out for the least of these. Adam-likeness is the pursuit of money or happiness or, or, or power or fame. Christ-likeness is the pursuit of holiness. Adam-likeness wants us to divide. It builds barriers. It keeps people out. Christ-likeness hopes to, to, to invite others in. Adam-likeness drives us to sacrifice others for ourselves. Christ-likeness sacrifices ourselves for the sake of others. Adam-likeness turns a blind eye to those structural things that keep the poor down and, and, and disadvantaged. Christ-likeness breaks the powers of hell and blesses the poor. Adam-likeness wants all the glory for themselves. Christ-likeness points everything to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Adam-likeness wants, wants something more and bigger, consumption more, bigger, now, now, now. Christ-likeness calls us to empty ourselves and give of ourselves and experience generosity. Adam-likeness might talk about God. Christ-likeness walks with God. Adam-likeness harbors bitterness. Christ-likeness offers grace and forgiveness. Adam-likeness always, always, always leads to death. Christ-likeness always, always, always leads to life. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I, I, wish, I wish you would experience what Paul is talking about in these last couple of verses. In verse 20, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. How I pray that the grace of Jesus Christ might abound more and more in your life so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness. That's my prayer for you, that grace would reign through righteousness in you, saying yes to him, yes to him, him, yes to him. But we're in this battle 
this Adam-likeness, Christ-likeness, what's it going to be? I have another lousy illustration. Don't carry it out too far because it gets convoluted. This, a, a week and a half ago, last Thursday, uh, was a busy day for me. And we had home group that night, and it was busy, busy, busy. And during the, my busy day, my pharmacist called and said, Rob, you're going to pick up, I, I give myself a monthly injection. He said, today's your day for your monthly injection, uh, but could you wait till tomorrow because there's someone else that needs it, we only have one, could you wait for tomorrow? And I said, you know, sure, you know, what difference does one day make? Sure, give it to them. And then the pharmacist said, no, we're going to give it to you. So I don't even know why he called me. He called me to see if I would give it to somebody else. Yes, give it to somebody else. Nope, we're going to give it to you. So why call me in the first place? I don't know. That's neither here nor there. So, so I, but I had this busy, busy day, and home group was coming over to our house. And so at the end, during, right before home group, I realized, ah, I never got the injection medicine, and he was holding it for me and not for the other person. And I didn't want the pharmacist to think that I was a goober. And so after home group, I had to go to the pharmacy. It's open until 10 o'clock. I had to go to the pharmacy to get that. And I also had some... Uh, a bottle of, you know, the, the pills that I take when the migraine is going crazy. And so I had to get that too. So I got that stuff and I got home and I gave myself an injection and I went to, got it ready, went to bed, blah, blah, blah. Rob, why are you telling us this? Hold on. So the next morning I got up looking for uh, the pills, the migraine pills, and I couldn't find them. I looked all over, I couldn't find them. I had found the bag that the pills came in. It was in the trash, but there was no pills in the trash. But I thought, there's only, it's got to be in that bag. That's the only place it could be. It's got to be in that bag. So Wednesday, now, so now the trash is six days old. If it's nasty going through the next day, after six days, oh, I did not want to do it. The bag, it stunk to high heaven. Rob, why in the world are you telling us this story? We got something deep inside of us that is, that is waging war within us. And we need Christ to, to cleanse us. We need Jesus to fill us. We need that abundance of grace to overwhelm us. We need to take care of that thing. There will never be any hope unless that's taken care of. See, the old Adam, the old Adam wages war within us. Paul will later say, I want to do the, the things that are right, but I find myself doing the exact opposite of what I want to do. All of us have been there. Every single, you've been there, I've been there, we've all done that. I know what I need to do. Why do I not do what I want to do? It's allowing Jesus to come in and fill us with his presence. It's being obedient to Christ like Jesus all the way to the cross it's saying yes 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 and the more you say yes guess what the easier it is to say yes but don't think the old serpent's gonna leave you alone this is where that illustration falls apart not only do we need to have that that pill bottle cleansed but we need to keep taking there'll be other pill bottles that we need to have cleansed too it's a continual yes it's not a one-shot yes it's over yes 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 Jesus